Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I claim this planet in the name of the Earth. Greeting, Earthlings. We have now taken over your radio. Because the puck is this, you can't see it. You can't see the puck. Right. You can't really see what's developing. Like basketball, you can at least see what's developing in nosebleeds. Uh, football, I feel like that's actually like really doesn't matter where you're sitting. You're still pretty far from the far. Going to football games baseball, are the worst. I hate going to football games. Football games are like the worst in-person sport, and I feel like baseball, like the whole purpose of baseball is to be there in person. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter where you are. The right, problem with right. football is if you go to a football game, you miss all of the other football games for that day. Because, yeah, like, they're all at but, the same time. But I see. I go to CFL games, and uh-huh. they're, they're not all on the same. Whatever, snake. whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> you know the original football league. Oh, okay, <laughs> is it soccer up there, or I'm confused? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, now let's get to some basketball. I suppose. Um, the the best in person sport. No bias there at all. Mm, have you been to a ballet? Um, <laughs> So, there, where do we even start? I mean, do we want to talk about... Do we want to talk Thunder Warriors and Cavs Raptors at all? Or do we just want to dive right I, into I mean, the finals? There's no We're very real, prepared for this. There's no need to really talk Cavs Raptors. Um, yeah. I, I can understand why I, I can, series happened. Okay, no, yeah, I have a question. I, I, Justin, I can, Justin, I, can, I have a question. Go for it. When you were watching Game 7, who, who were you rooting for? Who did you want the Cavaliers to play? I, I would like... Would have liked to see the Thunder win. Uh, I just believe that's an easier matchup. LeBron historically has done great against Kevin Durant. Obviously, there is no easy matchup in the finals. Mm-hmm. But I felt pretty confident that the Cavs could kind of um, finish them off, maybe in like five or six games, depending on how the breaks go. Um, I just felt the Thunder wouldn't force Cleveland to get out of what they do. Whereas the Warriors, and I'm sure we'll get into this, you, you kind of have to start saying, okay, is Kevin Love now going to be a 20-minute-per-game player? What type of changes do we need to make? So they they have to mess with their identity a little bit against the Warriors. And the Warriors are a 73-win team that don't even need to create good shots half the time. Right. They're, they're just going to hit them. So, yes, I, I would have liked to see the Thunder win. Yeah, I feel like you kind of get into that situation where if you had OKC versus Golden State, obviously you're gonna you're gonna prefer OKC, not to like discredit a team that took Golden State seven games and played them harder than any team they've had all season, but it's more of the fact that like defensively, we saw it in the um, two Eastern Conference series where like they played the two best teams probably in the East this year, Atlanta and Toronto. Yeah, and Cleveland did, and neither team could just defend them like all throughout the court. Atlanta tried to take away the three uh, tried to take away the interior and yeah. they just got bombarded from three point range. 
Yeah, and then at, Toronto at a did, historic rate. Yeah, and then Toronto did the opposite, and they just couldn't defend the rim, even with Bismack Biombo having like a career series, like just yeah. Well, it, it was pick your poison. Yeah. Yes, at home. Very yeah. very key difference there. Yeah, he uh, well at home for games three and four, and it's going to get him seventeen million a year. Um, uh, reportedly, although um, I think it was the Sporting News kind of reported like kind of what GMs have been talking about, and they figure he's going to get between seventeen and twenty million a year. But they're still concerned that Biombo's like twenty-seven. Because um, I, oh, I guess, for sure. that, yeah, I, I guess that's like the age he was originally like scouted at. He was like scouted as a twenty-two-year-old, and then he's like, no, I'm nineteen, and they're like, okay. <laughs> so I, I guess. That's such a weird thing, though. Like, how do you not? I, I mean, I know how, but like, that's still very weird that in 2016 we can't figure out how old somebody is. I remember yeah. looking up articles when that came up again, like how old Bismarck Biombo is, and like the debate over it from draft day was just really weird. It's like, well, the, he says this, a doctor says this, scouts say this. I'm like, no one yeah, knew his it, age. It's not like you can cut his leg off and like count the rings or anything like that. Like, I mean, you could, but it kind of ruined the purpose. <laughs> well, he would be cheaper if you are a cost-minded general manager. That's true. Uh, There's always prosthetics. <laughs> oh, geez, the Bulls are calling right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think when talking about Bion- when writing about Biombo's free agency and free agency rumors, people should just start putting his age in quotations, like twenty-three, <laughs> like air quotes. Matt, I, I just wrote about it today. I, I honestly should go have back done and that. edit it. I know. I wish I could. Um, well, but I, yeah, like if Cleveland got an OKC, Stephen Adams would have given them hell. But I just don't know if they would have been able to stop three-point their three-point attack, even with Durant, Westbrook, and Roberson all out there. Like when that bench would come out, like Dan right. Waiters has been great this playoffs, but are we really expecting him to stop J.R. Smith from getting open threes? Right, right, and. Here, here was my thing, and I spoke to you about this in DMs, I believe, but in the regular season, the Thunder beat the Spurs. I, I believe their only loss came in overtime. They, they won all the other games. Um, they just matched up well because when things break down, and it's not really an indictment on Kawhi Leonard. He's just not at this point yet. He's not someone that can just kind of create a shot for himself in isolation at the same level that a Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, LeBron. He can't create at that level yet. And that's what the, uh, the Spurs were really missing. They were missing that type of athleticism mm-hmm. to really uh, disrupt what the Thunder have. So from a matchup standpoint, and people, I, I mean, I think the Spurs were a better team. But the Thunder were just a better matchup against them. Like the when they go head to head in the regular season, Thunder and Warriors played three times. The games were all close. Two of them, you could argue, the Thunder could have won. So if Steph Curry's limited, if Draymond Green's ankles bothering him, if Andrew Bogut is limited and having trouble moving around, it made sense to me that the Thunder had the potential for an upset there. And I know Warriors, uh, a few Warriors writers that I had spoken to before the series were concerned about that because it was such a close margin with how these teams match up. And when you have someone like Kevin Durant, who's in the argument for best player on the planet, um, there, there's just the potential there that they can steal four out of the seven games. And they came pretty damn close. So it made sense to me. But then when you then transfer to how they match up against Cleveland, they their strengths don't 
really expose anything with Cleveland. Like they're a great rebounding team. Cleveland's a really great rebounding team. Um, Kevin Durant and LeBron, like you kind of those two. Let's say they cancel each other out. Russell Westbrook, that's always a team effort to defend him, but you can throw him on Schumpert, even J.R. Smith at times, while Kyrie can hide on Roberson or Deion Waiters. So there, are, there's so many matchups there that OKC's strengths just didn't line up with it. So that's why I was very confident that if they were the ones that got through, the Cavs would be favored. Now, the Cavs are certainly an underdog against Golden State for a lot of good reasons. And I want to talk a little bit about some themes in this series. One of them being, right, that the Cavs are healthy. This is this is Warriors-Cavaliers Part 2, but it's like... It's, it's the real it's, part. It's, well, and it's different because, like, the, the you know, the Cavaliers have much evolved. They have a different head coach. I mean, things have changed in Cleveland. Not so much in Golden State, even though they're certainly better than what they were last year. But yeah. um, this this whole idea of sidekicks and second bananas kind of thing, that's, like, to me, like, the biggest theme going into this because we know that Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving weren't healthy for the finals last year. But mm-hmm. I think what a lot of people forget is that Clay Thompson didn't have a good series either. Um, yeah. The, the last four games of that series, I don't think he scored more than 12 points in any of the games. I think I have that right, maybe 12 or 13 points. Um, yeah. In any yeah, of... his numbers weren't great, uh, particularly when uh, J.R. Smith was on the court. I, I think he right. shot like 33% when J.R. was on the court. Uh, when J.R. sat, he sat. Up, he shot about 45% for the series. And so. even in general, that is a he, bizarre stat. Well, even in general, like in the first three rounds for the Warriors last year, I looked it up. Clay Thompson uh, shot 42.7% from three-point range, and in the finals, he shot 30%. Well, he like he was kind of there was the potential that he was playing through a concussion, right? Yeah. Because he had hit his head in the Western Conference Finals, I believe, um, and there was concern whether or not he was going to go. Like, I think, yeah, this in a lot of ways, this isn't a rematch to me because the Cavs are just such a different team. Draymond Green is nowhere near the player he yeah, was, was last season. Like, he's totally that. different. Yeah. Steph Curry's hit a totally different level. Klay Thompson's hit a totally different level. Like, that's a, these are, that's a much better Warriors team that's a lot more confident They've won a championship before. They have a ton of experience. This is, to me, this is just a totally different series. And I, I don't think, uh, one way or another, it's it, it reflects on um, last year's matchup. Like, if the Cavs were to pull off this upset, I don't think you can say, hey, this is proof that they would have won if Kyrie and Love were healthy. I, I mean, I'm certainly going to do that on Twitter. And I'm going to retweet <laughs> every single person that's ever, or every Warriors blogger that made that joke. But at the same time, like if you're looking at it logically, I I don't think you can really make that argument one way or the other. And I want to talk a little bit about Kevin Love because I think to me, Kyrie and LeBron they're going to get theirs. Clay and Steph they're going to get theirs. Um, Kevin Love is a really and you and Justin you hinted at this earlier. Like what do you do with Kevin Love? And I just want to like if you look at what the Thunder did so well, which was rebound, especially on the offensive boards. And that kind of got the Warriors out of their game because it stopped a lot of transition opportunities. It stopped a lot of, you know, it made a lot of that game get played in the half court. Um, to me, Kevin Love, I mean, I remember when he was in Minnesota, he was a tremendous rebounder. So I right. wonder if he can kind of get back to that, if, if, if he's even playable against the defense, I mean, or on defense, I mean. Just your general thoughts. I'm sure you've had time, a little bit of time at least to think about this. Well, the remarkable thing for Kevin Love is... He's one of the few guys that can spend so much time on the three-point line and still be a good offensive rebounder. He's still a great rebounder. I believe he's averaging around 11 rebounds per game in, in the postseason. 
and was around that in the regular season as well. Um, what I I would do for Kevin Love. And and the funny thing to me is when we talk about offense, like we really go in depth of what a player's different skills are. For defense, it's like, do they have it or do they not? Like we, a lot of people seem to talk about defense like it's one category. Mm -hmm. And with Kevin Love, he's an abysmal rim protector. He's a bad pick and roll defender. Uh, even though like he gives effort, he just doesn't have the physical ability or length to really execute what he needs to do. Um, but he's a good post defender. And to start things off, I, I would try Kevin Love on a Warriors traditional center. So whether that be Andrew Bogut or Festus Azili, you'd I'd have him on that because if they're trying to attack, make Andrew Bogut or Azili as the focal point of their offense, I think that's going to disrupt what the Warriors do. Yeah, I, that's I a win in general. Even even if you have Bogut taking layups at the rim, that's a win. Right. Uh, there's going to be help defense. Uh, right. Like it, it's it's not just on love. Like you're not really leaving him on an island. And and I don't think Mark Jackson's on the sideline, so I don't think they're going to be running post up opportunities for Bogut against Love in the post. Um, what gets tricky is when Draymond Green comes in at center because you, you obviously can't put Kevin Love as a small ball center and have him cover him. You have either Tristan Thompson or LeBron cover him. Maybe even Shumpert if you want to try a wing on him as the Thunder and Spurs have done in the past. I, I think if it's early in the game, you gamble with love on Harrison Barnes. See if they he tries to beat him or if he beats him consistently. And if he does, I, I think you have to make Kevin Love a 20, 25-minute-per-game player and just have him shadow traditional centers. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think you just have to get him to buy into that being what's best for the team. Uh, certainly you experiment with it um if they don't go to the death line up until closing minutes i don't screw around with it i said love for the matchups especially if it's a close game um but early in the game i i think with the upside he brings in terms of rebounding spacing the floor kind of allowing you to play small without being small i think you experiment with that early on my only concern with love playing like 20 minutes a game 20 25 minutes a game even and if you're He's the Cavaliers' third best player, and I just feel like if the Cavaliers are going to win this series, they have to find a way to make Kevin Love work. Whether or not right. he's atrocious on defense or not, like he's, he's got to just basically like this. I think this needs yeah, to be like the best, like yeah, play of Kevin Love's career right now. Right, right, and that's why I said it's worth trying to see if that works, and. If they do move to green at the five consistently to try to force Love off the floor, which uh, would would be a smart move in a lot of ways for the Warriors, it does open up the rim to an extent. Draymond Green is a good rim protector, but he, he's not as good as Bogota or Azili, who are among the best in the league. So I, I think that opens things up for LeBron mm -hmm. to attack the basket, potentially get Draymond in foul trouble. Um I, I, I think he probably could stab somebody at this point and he wouldn't get thrown out <laughs> or suspended. But at least if you're getting him in foul trouble, then he's forced off the floor. They're forced into traditional sets. And maybe that means more minutes for Kevin Love. So I, I think it changes. Like, it's going to be a chess match. Uh, these teams are very good. They're very versatile. There's a lot of things they can do. I think you try to get as creative as you can to get Love on the floor. But... In reality, he, he might have to accept a smaller role, and the Cavs might just have to accept that this isn't a series. One of the things uh, I'm going to be really paying attention to, and we can get back to the stars in a little bit, 
I would be looking at the benches, and in particular, the big men on the benches, like Channing Frye, Festus Azzelli, uh Maurice Spates. Like, that's a matchup I'm really interested in. Because the the Channing... return of Anderson Verjao, and Anderson Verjao's <laughs> revenge. I mean, this is huge. This is a giant storyline that not enough people are talking about. If he plays even five minutes a game, they're going to lose by 40. I think I, if, I if, know. if I, the Warriors I, get down in the series at any point, you just need to try the Verajao revenge game. Like that might that might be like break in, break glass in case of emergency. Steve Kerr strategy. Like, all right, I don't know what else we're doing here. They're just killing us on the boards. Verajao, have your revenge. Just let them loose. See, this is this is what we missed out by the Thunder not making the finals. You don't get revenge, Dion Waiters, in the finals. Oh, that would have been amazing. That that would have been the best thing to happen to the NBA. I I don't think that's hyperbole in any way, shape, or form. Like. He Finals, hates the Cavs. Yeah. Oh, he does. Yeah. He hated them when he was on the team. Imagine how much he hates them now after they traded him. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the secret to the NBA is you just get players that hate other other teams. Like what we need to Let find a bunch of players that them. hate the Warriors and put them on one roster. That's why I wanted the Cavs to pick up Jason Thompson when he got cut. I was like, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, we can do the double agent thing too. <laughs> it's Bill Belichick in the NFL does it all the time. And it works for them, so yeah. Um, yeah. So going back to Channing Fry, he's been like a huge part of, for the Cavs ever since like they got him, and and he's had only a couple talking of big about this because you're a Magic fan. No, Ch- I'm seriously interested in the backup bigs, like because Ch- Channing Fry has been a seven foot late career Ray Allen in the playoffs. Like, <laughs> like it's insane how good he's been for Cleveland, yeah. and I feel like one of the huge parts of the Warriors is one of the reasons they're able to afford to take Draymond Green and Andrew Bogut off the floor at the same time is because their backup bigs are that good. Channing Frye's arguably been better than Kevin Love, which is kind of insane. Not in, in playoffs. playoffs. In a couple of games he has. Okay, there there were... See, this is the thing. There were games three and four against mm-hmm. Toronto where Kevin Love did not play well. Mm-hmm. And aggressively bad, I would call it. Outside of that, the Detroit series, the Atlanta series... The games one and two and game six against Toronto. He's been very, very good. He's averaging around 20 and 11. Uh, Against the Hawks, he played good defense on Al Horford. Um, Which is not easy. He managed to play center a lot against Andre Drummond and play good defense against him. Like, the effort is there, and he's been playing well. But I, I don't know if this is just being too close to the situation but i've seen enough people comment on it as well uh, i believe even zach Lowe talked about it uh, today uh, on the low post is just how kevin love is always going to be the scapegoat yeah. if he has a bad game it's going to overshadow four good games he's he the chris bosh moment, of this era of lebron yeah except except he can't I mean, play defense yeah, well, Chris, Bo- Chris Bosch is obviously a lot better, but I just mean like the Are role you- of the third guy who get- takes way too much criticism. Right, right. Justin, are you concerned at all that the only thing Kevin Love consumes is chocolate milk and chicken nuggets? Why would I be concerned about that? That, is- that sounds like the best life you can possibly have. Yeah, that's, it that's, what, Usain, sound, that's seem- what Usain Bolt has. <laughs> chicken nuggets, and I'm assuming chocolate milk. I think I've seen him in a chocolate milk ad. And He's advertising been- has never lied to me in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so not so the answer is not concerned at all. Pardon me. So the your answer is not concerned whatsoever. No, no, oh, that okay. is that is the breakfast of champions. He loves nuggets. So, um, yeah, Kevin loves at Denver. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. 
Um, so we talked a little bit about the death lineup and what the Cavaliers could do when the Warriors go to the death lineup. What do we think about a LeBron James at the center lineup? I just want I don't I don't know what I feel about it, but I just want to throw it out there for conversation. Why do we I'm, not say death lineup as death lineup? Like you okay. know, like, like what do we think head? about LeBron James at center death. against the death lineup? <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I'm kind of with it. Uh, I I would have Tristan Thompson shadow Draymond Green most of the time because mm-hmm. we we've seen it a lot where Tristan Thompson coming off of screens switches on to a point guard, shooting guard, and defends them well. So he has a lot of mobility, um, and he's got about four or five inches on Draymond Green as well, who's only about 6'5", 6'6", if he wears his um, extra high heels. Um, So that length advantage with the mobility, I think, allows the Cavs to have some size, out-rebound the Warriors, which is always key, Mm -hmm. um, while uh, still disrupting him. Now, if that's not working or Tristan's in foul trouble, I would go with LeBron at center. Maybe you put Fry out there um, who defends Harrison Barnes against the death lineup. Um, or, or maybe you just go all wings like um, Kyrie, Deli, JR, Shump, and you just and go Ron. extra small. Well, my problem with like anybody like Tristan or Thompson playing or Channing Fry playing is just all the switching that the Warriors are going to do. Because like Tristan Thompson can very well start on Draymond Green, but he'll get switched on to Steph Curry and then he's screwed. I so, feel like Thompson well, could handle here, that. Yeah, like um, I think uh, Zach Lowe did it in the finals uh, last year. He pointed out uh, Delhi's getting a lot of attention, but it's actually been Tristan Thompson that's like defended Steph well off of the hmm. switch. Like that's something that he can do. Like you, you obviously don't have him like. Uh, as Steph brings up the ball, Tristan's in the def- defensive stance, hiking up his short slap in the ground or anything like that. But he, he can do that if they do those switches, and he's disruptive with his length and his mobility. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying, and if it is getting burned or he's in foul trouble or it's not working, yeah, that's something that I could see Lou going with. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how much the Warriors really use the death lineup because... The Cavs don't have a lot of things that can make them pay with it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if one game uh, Kerr goes, screw it, I'm starting it. Like, yeah. we'll, we're forcing Love off the floor right away. If, as I said earlier, like, if he can't guard Barnes and, like, that's just a tire fire, then I could see Kerr doing this to try to force, as you said, their, their third best player off the floor. I think in this series, Tristan Thompson's their third most important player. Uh, but if they can get love going and it's not burning them, that's that's going to be huge. Because I don't think there's any way that you can really stop the Warriors. But and this seems simplistic, but the Cavs need to outscore the Warriors. Like there, there might just they have to make sure that the games don't get out of hand. That's not a track meet. But in a lot of ways, it's probably going to have to be an offensive series and a shootout. Because I don't think you can stop the Warriors. But if they can perform at a higher offensive level which to this point they have in the playoffs, I, I think that gives them their best chance at winning. Now, if Kevin loves allowing the Warriors to elevate to an even higher level on offense, then you got to pull them. Uh, you got to make those kind of concessions. But it, it's going to come down to who outscores the other because if the Warriors can stop the Cavs and slow them down, uh, they're pretty much screwed because they're not doing the same to Golden State. I've always hated using the regular season as like, to form a consensus opinion 
one thing I did see against Golden State this year is, for the longest time, I was of the belief that if Cleveland last year hadn't lost Kevin Love and Kyrie, they would have gotten blown the heck out because I think they made the adjustment of going slow help them in that final series. To the, to here, the here's a, here, here, I'm just going to cut you off quickly because they did play that slow in the regular season, and the defensive efficiency that they had in in the playoffs with those guys out was lower than it was in the regular season after they made those trades. Okay, so maybe they would have like gone with that style anyways, like they might have ended up going with it. Yeah, like they always play really slow. Like LeBron teams play really slow. Like that's not that's not the perception, but even with Ty Lue here saying he's pushing the pace, really what that means is Right, they're still off- going they're up to like 24 in pace, right? Like not Right, right. They 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 run off of turnovers. They run off of um, stops, but a lot of time they push the ball up the floor and then they get into their sets with 24, 20 seconds left on the shot clock rather than 10 where they would go into isolation. This gives them time to run a set, maybe two sets, and then isolation if it doesn't work. So I think that's the biggest change. Uh, in, in the regular season last year against Golden State, one, one game LeBron didn't play and the Cavs almost beat them. The other game, the Cavs won by, like, 20, 25 points. Like, a, a regular season doesn't mean anything, but that pace disrupted Golden State in the regular season the same way it did in the playoffs. Uh, it was just more noticeable because the Cavs were down to six players. I think in this situation, the, the regular season means something for the coaches, and I know the Cavaliers, they're, you know, they had the coaching change in the middle of the year, but, you know, you have coaching staffs trying different things. They don't necessarily want to show their whole hand because... Both of these teams very well knew that they could be seeing each other in the finals when they wanted to unleash their secret weapons, so to speak. But I think some of that, you just have a little bit of testing. You have a little bit of just kind of grazing and kind of trying to see what the other what the other team does and how they react in certain situations. I think that could be interesting, and that's certainly something that these coaching staffs are going to look back on, you know, when they're mm-hmm. watching film, getting ready for Thursday's game. But um, in general, I think that the most exciting thing for me is going to be if both of these teams are able to stay in the game and just give them just give themselves a chance in these last few minutes, like we saw so much with the Thunder and the Warriors series, that's going to be the most exciting thing because now we have LeBron James versus Steph Curry if we want to just boil it all down. And right. that that's going to be incredible. Right, and while I do think we're going to see a slower game because, like Justin was just saying, they've always played a slow pace even with LeBron. One thing we're not going to see is that total grinded out style, that Memphis Grizzlies grit and grind kind of thing going, which is what Cleveland ended up really having to resort to in the finals last year. The good old zero shooters lineup. (laughs) Right. LeBron shooting 40 times. Yeah, Delhi's a 40% three-point shooter, but he was hospitalized after a game and couldn't recover. (laughs) Shump had a, like, torn groin and, like, a shoulder injury. JR had a broken thumb on his shooting hand. Like, they they had absolutely no shooters. And it was like, okay, we're going to force LeBron to shoot jump shots by clogging the paint with all five guys. Are we concerned at all that JR Smith is going to look at Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and be like, I could do that too? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, no. I mean, J.R. Smith is essentially Clay Thompson. Sure. This this playoff <laughs> just, just series... Just more gunner heavy. <laughs> well, he's played really good defense this, these playoffs. He has. Yeah, that's, that's, that's been weird. That's, that's been a year-long development, though, yeah. for the Cavs. Like, LeBron has not taken the tougher defensive si- assignment, like, 95% of the season. Originally, like, J.R. was getting burned 
um, a, a fair bit. Like he was trying, but you could tell he didn't really know what to do. He never really dedicated himself to that end of the floor consistently. And Lewis talked about it, how like it just he kept learning throughout the season by trying hard and like being like okay i'm trying to stop the other guy consistently it's like okay that didn't work now i have to make a change so like he developed a defensive game over the season and their hope was that he could do this uh by playoffs and he did a phenomenal job in the hawk series against kyle corver where he was just relentless going through screens like just getting up in his airspace and disrupting him and uh, if he can play consistent defense, and a lot of that is still kind of reliant on whether or not he's hitting shots, that's going to be big. But it, we saw, I think, in game six, yeah, game game five and game six, JR really didn't take a lot of shots, but he was still playing good defense on uh, DeMar DeRozan. Um, and the craziest thing to me, like the, the play that kind of captured the change in JR Smith to me was um in the at the end of the first half against Toronto in game 6 where there's seconds winding down on the clock in the half the ball gets kicked to JR wide open in the corner and he passes the ball to Kevin Love who is trailing for a three it JR Smith passed up a wide open shot near the end of for the half for a better wide open shot like or for a better shot to well to get Kevin Love involved, I, I don't know which one's necessarily better because Jarrett Smith is one hell of a shooter. Like he shoots about forty percent on seven attempts a game, which I'm, I mean, all, all joking aside, that type of shooting at that volume is similar to what the Splash Brothers do. Um, he's Jared nowhere Splash. near. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 nowhere near the overall player Clay Thompson is or anything like that, but. When you shoot at that volume, it's similar to what Damian Lillard does at a, a lower efficiency, but that type of shooting is very similar. Um, so it, his development has been unexpected. I always kind of have one foot out the door because you, you never know when it's going to go Smith, off the that is a very, very, very good. You voice. never know when he's going to bring out the pipe. You just... Right, right, right. <laughs> you never know. Um, one and thing... bringing this uh, back around really, really quick, part of one of Part of one of the regular season things where I actually do kind of want to use this one more than I would use a different kind of one is two factors that I've noticed is, one, the regular season team we saw in Cleveland, it's completely different from this year's team that's in the playoffs. And with Golden State, those grit and grind teams, like that problem that they used to have, they smoked them this year. Like, mm -hmm. you should play slow against them still, I think. But if you try and just grind it out, they'll hit you in the mouth and they will smoke you. That's why the Thunder went, the Thunder just played faster. And that's they played what, faster. They didn't play too fast. Like they didn't right. let them get into a track meet, but like they still played faster than like the Grizzlies. Were. They out. They right. outfasted them. So and and when the Thunder screwed up and struggled down the stretch, they were like, okay, we have this lead. Let's play slow. Let's milk these possessions. And they started playing mm -hmm. really, really slow. And they had too many possessions down the stretch where there was either zero or one pass before the shot. It was either KD or Russ taking shots. Um, and I think. In game six, down the stretch in the last five minutes, there where where they had a like a six or seven point lead, I think their expected effective field goal percentage was like forty three percent, and that's like counting the extra value of the three pointer. Like it, it was just insane, and I I think when you play that slow against Golden State, you allow their half court defense, which is phenomenal, to be set. So I think you have to play with some pace. You need to attack the defense whenever it's not completely set 
but at the same time you can't let the Warriors get out on transition you you can't get into a track meet against them and, and of course this is a lot easier said than done sure. uh, chilling on my couch but at the same time I, I think that's the style that we've seen have success against Golden State this season. So as we wrap up here, um, I don't like doing predictions because we're not inside the NBA or ESPN. Mm-hmm. But what about just like one like random bold prediction? Does like doesn't have to be who wins the series or who wins a game or who wins game one. Just one random thing. I'll go first and then we'll do wait, Justin. Wait, wait, wait. Before first. before we do predictions, we need to. The whole reason we brought Justin here is because I really wanted to talk about one thing, and that was just. The perception of these two teams uh-huh. and so justin in particular understands this watching the warriors this year like everyone everyone loved the warriors for most of the year we've kind of turned on there's been a lot of turn on them lately because everyone's been seeing draymond green kick people in the nuts and everything and like that's kind of well, he, he, flailed. On it. he flailed he, he flailed and steph curry they're realizing oh he's actually a lot cockier and not just the super nice guy well, meanwhile, he's going up against LeBron, one of those hated players ever for God knows why. And a team that, quite frankly, I couldn't stand most of the year just because, like, you never knew which team you were going to get. And they didn't even Amiga. look like the actual contender until they got to the Hawks. So I really just kind of wanted to talk to Justin about that, where, like, how the heck do you deal with this team who, like, no one really liked for so many reasons, and they took so long to actually, like, get good like going up against one of the most loved teams ever. Like it has to feel like it's you against the world. I mean, I didn't like them. Like, like there, there's nothing more frustrating than this team. Like, uh, and I went through this last season too, where like LeBron at times feels like a necessary evil. Like you put up with so much weirdness with them and then the playoffs roll around. It's like, Oh yeah, that's why. And and I, I don't know if there's actually a method to his madness, but it seems to have worked. And and Chris, I'll say this. I, I think they look like a contender against Detroit. I think Detroit deserves a lot more credit than they got um, because the Cavs are playing at a really, really high level, and Detroit was doing a lot of things to stay in that series. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's funny because there's so many similarities and I, between the Cavs and Warriors fan bases to me, and I've... I've really enjoyed it over the years because Warriors fans really just remind me of how, how Cavs fans would react to winning a title. And there's just so much insecurity. It never feels like it's real to them. And it, it's just amazing for me to watch. And in a lot of ways, yes, the Cavs feel like the more hated team. Um, Raptors fans put in a lot of effort to try to be more hated oh by NBA Twitter than the Cavs fans. Um it was nice to see them on the national stage getting the hate that they deserve. But, but really, <laughs> I hated oh. Jurassic Park. I'm just going to interrupt Whoa. really quick. I couldn't stand that Jurassic Park crap. That was Wait, the most like annoying the thing. I mean, they could always... Like the movie. <laughs> well, the last movie was really bad. But also, the Jurassic Park with just a bunch of Raptors fans standing outside. Oh, that's really great. Okay, oh, cool. You didn't buy thing. a ticket. Like... Have fun. That's that's really cool for like the home games that they have that overflow or whatever. Like that's that's really great. Um, I wouldn't really be incredibly inclined to go there, but for away games, just let them into the arena like every other team. Right. Like everyone else has these watch parties where they sell tickets, they go inside, they watch it on the jumbotron, uh, they spend money at concessions and all that. But they're like, no, 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 you're going to stay outside. <laughs> 
Uh, our, our hockey team sucks, so it's not in playoffs. You're going to stand outside, and we're going to put a camera on you to show how passionate you guys are. Yeah, it's raining. Yeah, it's cold. Look at you standing outside. Aren't you passionate? I just I got I got really annoyed when the Raptors were playing the Heat because it was like every time the Raptors made a layup, they like would pan to Jurassic Park, and I was like, okay, so after the first two games when the Raptors aren't home, I'll deal with it, and then it'll be over. And like, no. Even when the Heat were at home, they would, like, pan to Jurassic Park and just show this thing. Like, every time that Bismarck Biombo got a rebound, they'd be like, oh, my God, he's the mo most amazing center ever. Let's go look at War <laughs> Raptors fans in Canada. It's my like God, Biombo fouled seven times on that play. And meanwhile, they, and they, never, they would never look at the, the Heat arena and all their great fans and everything like that. They would just never do it. Like, it was just always about the Raptors Yeah, fans. but if you, like, zoom in, then you see the cardboard cutouts that they put in all the seats. Stop it. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. I just want to say, With Heat fans, this podcast, Heat fans still, out, still sold out every game this year. And at the end of that Thunder game, half the, half the lower bowl was empty at the end of Game 7. So, I don't want to hear about... Heat fans leaving early. <laughs> well, there, there are three minutes left, so goodbye, Wes. So me and Justin will finish this out. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I have to beat the traffic. Sorry, that, guys. That's not fair. He actually arrived on time. Maybe he's trying to... Actually, no. If we're train. being truthful, I he was late. He was the late. last one online, if you don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I was, I was late. I told I told you guys I'd be at 8, and I didn't get, I didn't get here until 8.30, so... <laughs> uh, I showed up 30 minutes late. Okay, anyway... <laughs> Let's let's just do the bowl predictions thing and end this stupid podcast. Heat fans suck. Oh my god, no! All right, my Dos. bowl prediction is that Minutos. Dos Minutos is great. Um, all right, I'm going to start my bowl prediction. My bowl prediction is that Kevin Love is going to somehow have a really good game, and right around in the middle of the series, we're going to start talking about how good Kevin Love is, and there's going to be like good think pieces and features about Kevin Love is the X factor. And he's really stepped up. That's my bold prediction. I like Kevin Love the person, so that'd be really nice. Chris, what's your prediction? Is it a bold prediction to think that everyone's going to be awful no matter who wins? Yeah. You, what, you mean like all the players are going to just be No, the narratives. It's either LeBron lost another finals or the 73 win team choked. No, you can't make that prediction because that's sad and that, nobody <sighs> it's and, and that's just going to happen. Like, that's, that is what it is. Like, the Thunder team beat a historically good Spurs and pushed possibly the greatest team ever to seven games down to the wire but durant's a choker that can't get it done right like it's it's going to happen chris like give us a real prediction all right uh my bold prediction is that oh well if you really want something bold and i can't say del vadova is going to do something no 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 no, no, no. i i got an idea i got an idea i got an idea all right Gilbert. you are a magic person in a lot of ways chris Who is a magic is person who is going to channel the 09 magic and use HGH in this series? <laughs> well, that's LeBron because James. The, because the 09. Well, yeah, I know that, but like beyond the obvious ones. Like, I, I want to know. Because the 09 magic cheated, and that's the only reason that they got past the Cavs, including. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> what? Okay, my, my, real bold, my real bold prediction is that um, I think Maurice Spates is going to go off one night. I don't know why. I just have a feeling. We can only hope. Buckets, more problems, man. Um, that's awesome. Um, I. All right, I'm gonna start with logic. I think there's like, in my opinion, I think there's about a thirty percent chance that the Cavs win this series. I think that's uh, fair. Um, so really, that means if the series plays out a hundred times, they just have to win one of the thirty times. 
I think it's one of those times. Um, just looking at how the Cavs played in the playoffs, just the the feel of it, it just feels like one of those championship teams. Um, I, I've only seen those teams from a distance, um, and this is the first time it's ever really felt like that to me, just in terms of chemistry. I don't know. Like The Warriors have been through a pretty tough stretch. Bogut's not really himself. Draymond Green is one Draymond Green moment away from either a one- or two-game suspension. Steph is still amazing and productive, but he's a little limited. Um, LeBron always wins one game on the road. He's won 25 series with at least one road win. Um, Just, I just feel like this might be their opportunity. Um, So I'm going to go with Cavs in six. Wow. On the home floor. I like it. That's a real bold prediction. I'll just say this before we sign off. When LeBron was with the Heat, they lost the first finals matchup in 2010, right? Because a lot of that team wasn't together. They couldn't figure things out. They and were, LeBron they royally like, crapped the bed. Yeah, and well, I mean, and in the first, this last Cleveland one, Cleveland Warriors last year, the team obviously wasn't healthy. They were just figuring it out. You know, right. there was coaching issues with David Blatt. I mean, there was all this stuff, right? So then the second year, they got it together. They figured out what worked. They changed dramatically from 2010 to 2011. And they were going up a thunder t- against the Thunder team that was have, that was favored. I mean, the Thunder yeah. were favored in the beginning of that series. They were considered, oh, this team isn't going away anytime soon. They ha- they're way deeper. They have all of the pieces. Um, you know, their shooting is unbelievable. Their offense is unbelievable. There's just no way that the Heat could beat them. And the Heat beat them. And and just I'm just going to say that. And the Heat won two mm-hmm. championships, and that was a great time. Really? And, really? The Heat won two championships? I'm looking, at my, I'm looking at my Miami Herald uh, repeat poster, not poster, the newspaper that I have framed right now <laughs> as I talk. So, I'm looking uh, at a UCF paper that I picked up that's talked about uh, Justin McBride leaving. The Central Florida Future? Yes, the Central Florida Future. Shouts to the Central Florida Future. Okay, this has been a podcast <laughs> to be named later. I'm Wes Goldberg here with Chris Barnwell and our special guest, Justin Rowan. Thanks for joining us, Justin. You can Thanks find Justin me. on Twitter at CavsAnita. Yes, Woo! you can. And you can find this podcast on the Hardwood Paroxysm Basketball Network on Block Talk Radio. Subscribe on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us, and we'll talk to you next time. also hate the Warriors though people are starting to turn on them right like the turns finally started it took a long like it like the worst possible time too people would kind of like we're like oh wait no we kind of want the thunder to win this and it was like fuck the Warriors I think it's because remember they liked Durant and Westbrook well here here's the thing nobody stays up to watch them like fuck that those games are on late you don't know how annoying they are (laughs) now that it's now that it's on TV, that's that's my theory. No. I mean, Kurt Curry stays in the Western Conference because he doesn't like the pressure. He wasn't Finals MVP. He wasn't MVP of Team USA. These big stages, he just keeps failing and failing. All-Star was an MVP. That's why he plays in the West. No exposure, no TV. He, he He's not a, a hmm. bright lights player like Kyrie Irving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was amazing. I'm going to have to find a way to get that into the podcast. I fine-tuned that rant and I've like unleashed it on Warriors. Just throw that in at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Like...
cut that and throw it in at the end, like after the outro, just throw that in. Alright. <laughs> just just to see how who listens that long. Yes. And there's gonna be like two people on Twitter total that like just like look me up and be like, hey, so uh what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Stupid dog with Corgi on Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.